I'm Celine Williams, and welcome to the Leading Through Crisis podcast, a conversation series exploring resiliency and leadership in challenging times. My guest today is Maureen Contrera, who's the CEO and founder of In Contrera Consulting, a thought leadership and digital marketing consulting agency. She is also an author, TEDx speaker, and creative professional. She works with thought leaders, coaches, and small business owners on leveraging their online presence through social media, podcasts, and TEDx, TEDx coaching and placement. Thank you for being here today, Marie. Thank you for having me. Um, uh, it's a pleasure. I am very excited. I feel like we've been talking about doing this for ages, and now we're actually making it happen. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> So if you've ever listened to the podcast, I always open, I always eye roll as well, but I always open with the same question as, you know, to sort of set the playing field. And that is when you hear the title of the podcast, Leading Through Crisis or Leadership in Challenging Times or however, what does that mean to you? How do you interpret that? What is it that you see inside of that sort of concept? Well, given that we're recording this in summer of 2021 and we're, you know, on the tail end of a very long pandemic and, and, you know, uh, many of us as entrepreneurs were very scared for a very long time. Um, I, to me, leading through crisis means being willing to pivot, um, at all costs, right. Even when it's really uncomfortable and even when you're not sure what's on the other side, um, and being willing to be human, at, at the end of the day, right? Because, you know, I, I mean, I, I know I went through this with, with my team where some really unpleasant things happened, right? And, and you have to be, you, at the end of the day, we're human, right? People get sick, people get, you know, worse happens, better happens, you know, we're all really scared. And so at the end of the day, it's, it's almost not even about the work. It's about, it's about who's, who's doing the work. Yeah. Um, I love I love that you already started with the thing that is very near de- and dear to my heart, mm-hmm. which is that whole idea of being human, that we are humans first and foremost. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we um, we actually had one, one of my freelancers passed away during COVID. Um, thank you. Yeah. And it, it wasn't COVID related, but it was it was it was not COVID related, but everybody had the COVID fatigue already. And, uh, then that happened and it was, it was really sad. And, and I got to see my, my team of freelancers who, you know, don't, literally don't owe me anything. Right. And, and everybody really banded to get together and was very kind and very, you know, we were really all there for each other in a way that I, I think had we not been through a crisis together, we may never, never have known about each other. Yeah. It's, it's really interesting that inside of crises, there is mm-hmm. an opportunity for us to really be more human and get to know each other more as humans. And yet that is not always the thing or the reaction that happens when we are dealing with crisis. Right. That's absolutely right. You know, I mean, uh, on the other end of it, right. I, I mean, I, I know a lot of people I work with are scared right? A lot of my clients are scared. A lot of my partners, my referral partners, my colleagues, my fellow entrepreneurs, my friends are scared. And sometimes that manifests in not so nice ways, right? Especially through the beginning of the pandemic when we didn't know what was going to happen. So um, yeah, and that, that's human too, right? That's the other part of it. Yeah. A hundred percent. And it's, it's, it, it, in my, I've said this so many times, again, I feel like a broken record, but I think what the pandemic did was it removed that 
veil, that illusion of certainty that we had and just shattered it. And mm -hmm. once the, the certainty was shattered, it was always an illusion. Let's make it like, that was not a real thing. Certainty is not real. But once the illusion was shattered, then fear took over for a lot of people. And for a lot of people, it's still there, right? Like it's hard to move out of that fear when you feel like, I don't know what I can or can't trust or believe or whatever going forward because the thing that I thought was certain wasn't. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and, and things that many of us took for granted, I think, you know, um, I have a lot of friends who are musicians, right. And artists and actors and, and many of them incredibly successful artists, you know, they make their livings that way. And, you know, for that to see, to watch them be out of, out of work because there's no outside, right. There's no shooting. There's no, theater, there's no going to a studio, you know, there's no even meeting up in a practice room somewhere, right? Like that, that kind of change, I, I think bred a lot of fear and very understandably, right. And it bred a lot of, a lot of very, very serious uncertainty for a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think that the, there were certain industries that industries that were affected much in much more dire ways than others. Mm -hmm. um, and I think artists in general, creative professionals, let's call them, um, were in that group of just a lot of them were devastated by the, yeah. the yeah. like not to be dramatic, but I think that was very evident in a lot of cr creative professionals. Um, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and, and I, I'm very fortunate. I'm in a, a position where I can hire artists. Right. And of course you can't hire everybody, but you can hire some people. Right. So, um, I, I, I got to be a little bit of, you know, on, on the, on the better side of things with some people. Right. Cause, but it's hard because you can't, you, it was, it was such a systemic thing that you can't help everybody. Right. And you just, there's, 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 it's just not going to happen. Right. And, you know, I was, I was very fortunate. I work in digital marketing and digital media and everybody went online. Right. The P and the people who were online were now even more online and the people who weren't online were now coming online. So I ended up being pretty fortunate and, you know, my, my business retained a level of stability. I mean, it was still very, very rocky, <laughs> but looking back, I can say we were pretty stable. Right. And, and we've done really well, but, you know, so I, for me to be able to say pivot is because I, I ended up in a pretty good place. Yeah. So I want to, and this may not, it doesn't have to be your story, per, your Marie's story personally, mm -hmm. that's not the story, but when you started by saying that, you know, leading through crisis is the willingness to pivot, mm -hmm. where have you seen that? Or have you experienced that in crisis? Because I, I, and I want to acknowledge that I I think that the willingness to change is imperative, whatever that looks like, whether it's pivoting or whatever, I just going to use a more generic term for a second, is imperative to, to being able to move through any kind of crisis that we're facing. And I also think that I've also seen more people double down on what they were doing beforehand rather than pivot or change. So right. that's what that, which is why I'm, and I'm going to fully acknowledge that that's why I'm asking the question of like, where have you seen that or what have you experienced in that? Because I think talking about 
what it looks like or why it's uncomfortable or the experience of it is helpful for people who are resisting doing it in those moments. Right. Right. And, you know, so we, we have a mutual friend, Dory Clark, um, and Dory's favorite story to tell is how she got laid off on September 10th, 2001. Right. She was a journalist and she got laid off the day before 9-11. Yeah. And, um, you know, and, and her industry has been severely demonetized, right. Because people write for free now and, and all of that and print media has gone, you know, all, all but gone the way of the dodo bird. Right. And, you know, she always says, so you, so I could, I could have shaken my fist at the sky and just given up and imagine what would have happened if Dory had, you know, just said, well, okay, I'm going to go work in an office and being, you know, like not, not try anything else for the rest of my life or, you know, and, and, but she pivoted and, and she has this really incredible career that looks very different from what she thought it was going to be. And that's okay. And, you know, she has this wonderful story that she tells now, right. (laughs) You know, but I, I, so she's always been a really good model for me of like, look, there are things on the other side of this, right? There, there's always going to be things on the other side. And sometimes the circumstances change. I mean, certainly this past year, the circumstances have changed, right? Um, and shortly after, shortly after the pandemic started, I was on a phone with a prospect who um, wanted to talk to me about some services and she's a coach and she was like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not pivoting to Zoom coaching I refuse to not meet my clients in person. And that was when I was like, okay, <laughs> this is probably not a fit for me, right? I should probably end the conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Because clearly you don't, you don't think this is, you don't think this is going to be around, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, yeah. and you're not going to see the importance of working in the digital media. Right. So, so I, I do think people get very resistant to it. Mm. Um, and to their detriment. I mean, that's, that's, you know, unfortunately, unfortunately we're, we're creatures of habit, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, um, for, I'm, I'm, I'm always so curious when someone even temporarily is like, I am not going to do that thing because it's not Mm -hmm. the way I've done it before. Right. right. Like even just, even if it's something you have to do for a few weeks, I think that that's a, I'm always curious when I hear that about where, why are they so resistant to something different? Right. right. Why, where is that coming from? Um, and I think that it's, it's, first of all, kudos to you. I just want to acknowledge this for saying like, that probably is not my person if they're thinking digital media is more of a temporary thing. Right. Um, Cause that's kind of what it sounds like, but I'm curious from your perspective, where you saw, um, I guess people pivoting successfully in this crisis and what that looked like. And if, and if it was anything that you did in terms of how you were showing up online or, or digitally or whatever the case may be, because I think that, I think there's still people who are resisting. I mean, there are still people who are resisting. There are, there are still people who are resisting. Absolutely. It's still happening. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, I, I have to shout out my team, my, my team of amazing freelancers who, you know, give way more to the work that my company does than I ever could have asked for or imagined, right? Like just the, the pivoting to a more slack culture, to understanding that like, 
you know, to being more, more of, of a group of self-starters than I could have anticipated, right? Like my team, I, I don't, I don't, I don't even think a lot of it was me, right? Like, I think, I think I just happened to have the space to let that happen, mm. right? That all of a sudden everybody, everybody saw that I was a little scared and, and they were all scared. And so, okay, let's, let's, we have to, we still have a job. Let's do the work. Yeah. Right. And, and let's, let's maybe take a little bit more of the burden off of each other. Um, you know, which, which has been, has been really nice. I don't even know why that happened, but it happened, you know, um, and it's been, it's been kind of a wonderful thing, right? Like I, I look back and I'm like, wow, we've really, <laughs> I don't, I don't know how that happened, but it happened. Right. And I guess that's part of leadership sometimes is, is you, you kind of let the space for something to, to grow. And then it does. 100%. I think that is, it's really important to acknowledge that having the space for things to grow for people to mm-hmm. change pivot adapt lead themselves giving some space for that is really important and i think that it sounds like you put that together with you as a leader marie who is willing to be a full human being which includes being afraid in those moments and not trying to hide that from everyone then mm-hmm. empowers them to also be like, okay, we're also scared. This is an okay thing. It's okay to be scared here. It's okay to be, to have some fear. And there's enough space to experience that and then figure out how to move through that and then figure out what, okay, we don't want to stay in this space. So what can we do? Let's do something, whatever right. that looks like, right? As opposed to confining or denying, which is what I think often happens, especially when unfortunately we're dealing with contractors or freelancers because we feel like we have to let them know less than if they were our employees. Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. You know, and, and the, the great thing about contractors that I've learned is like, they're all really hard workers. Right. You know, I mean, I, I, I love hiring, I love hiring artists because nobody works harder than, than a creative professional. Right. Like that's just, I, I may be a little bit biased, but I believe that that's actually true. <laughs> yeah, you know, let's, um, let's preach that and emphasize that because I think we get so hung up on this person has to have the exact experience for this exact job in this exact way that I think it needs to be. And we skip over creative professionals or people that have a slightly more um, non-traditional, let's say, background that are going to be, to what your point is, extremely hard workers. So I don't want right. to stop your thought, but I just want to like, yeah. know like let's emphasize that for a second because the more we get stuck in it has to look this way to hire someone and this person has to look this way the the less we're actually giving opportunity to people who are going to kick butt on our behalf exactly exactly that's that's a thousand percent true right and and somebody who bootstrapped their play for 500 bucks one time you know um is 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 gonna know how to creatively problem solve yeah. my, in my business, right. Where they maybe don't have that constraint, but they have a different constraint. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be even more the case than somebody who comes to me from, you know, they came from corporate and now they're trying the virtual assistant thing. Right. Cause there's, I mean, that, that's a different set of skills, obviously. And that's, that's really important also, but the skills that I look for are the creative problem solving, mm-hmm. right. I look for people who are, um, you know, cause people hire me because I'm creative. Right. So I, I hire people because I need, I need other kinds of creative skills. Right. Um, 
so that's, and that's, that's been part of it, you know, is that, is that everybody's a really, really hard worker and everybody is, you know, you learn how to survive in the arts, I think, you know, and you, you learn what it means to survive and, and you learn what it means to fight for something and, and be passionate, you know, like not, not let the, the thing die and all of that, right. You know, make something from nothing. All of that is something that you get out of, out of creative people. So it's really interesting. And I'm going to fully acknowledge that I was not expecting the conversation to go this way. And I love this because it just made <laughs> it, 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 this is why I love just conversing. Um, I just made a connection in my brain, which is that creative professionals, people who have come from that highly creative background mm -hmm. are so accustomed to dealing with crisis in different ways because there is so much uncertainty. I'm so sorry for all you creative professionals. Like I, this is not, but there's so much uncertainty in that world that they are probably some of the best people like yourself that at leading through crisis because they're inherently not comfortable, but understand what that, what that feels and looks like. It's not new. It's, it, you know, a crisis is a crisis. It doesn't make a difference what it looks like. They, it's that recognition that like, okay, this is a thing we're going to deal with and we'll figure it out and we'll acknowledge what it looks like and be able yeah. to get through it. Yeah, exactly. And you know, nothing to take from my, my own experiences as, a, as, as we were talking about before, before we started recording yeah. a broke jazz musician, you know, <laughs> <laughs> right. Nothing is ever going to be as scary as, you know, surviving in New York city on $15,000 a year, you know, nothing, just nothing The the pandemic can <laughs> like, it, that was scary. It wasn't as scary as worrying about where I was going to get my next meal from. Right. Like, yeah. so, you know, or, or if I didn't, if I wasn't like nice to whatever band leader was treating me horribly, was I going to ever play in the city again or whatever it was. Right. So that's the kind of crisis that, I mean, bring, bring that into an organization and, you know, watch people like really come up with some, some interesting solutions to things, you know, and, and, and I have to say, like, you know, not every creative person is going to come up with the solution the same way. Like I, I have somebody who, who finally got me off of like invoicing by paper and um, finally got me onto QuickBooks and like had to drag me kicking and screaming and like was basically my therapist. And, and she's my, she's a VA and she's wonderful, but like, she's a musician, you know, she's, she's writing, writing musical theater, just like I am. And like had to be my therapist about it and also had to get me to relinquish control and, you know, and now is saving me 10 hours, 10 hour, 10 to 15 hours a month and like had to like force me to do that. So like, <laughs> I don't have those creative skills, but she does, even though we're technically both creative professionals. Yeah. yeah. It's not a one size fits all. And I, pre and I think that's a really, what you're saying is really important. It's not one size fits all. It's not that every creative professional is going to solve a problem or think of things the same way. It's that there is a um, almost a foundational understanding of what crisis is going to be and need to solve the a recognition that there will be problem solving involved in it 
and they're okay with it not being the thing we've done 86 times before just doing it again right right exactly and i th i think that that is i think that is really interesting um again i love when i can make a connection that i was not expecting prior to it like i was like oh that's really interesting because i i hadn't i don't think i'd ever saliently connected those things before but when i think about it it makes so much sense why there's i mean listen i think there's value in hiring creative professionals you know for a thousand reasons don't get me wrong but it sure. makes so much sense why they would have thrived in you know, freelance environments, maybe it's where it's not them being a musician full time, but doing these other things or working for companies during this time, because it's just, it's another crisis and they know how to figure it out. They know how to find a solution that is not the thing we keep, we've done, you know, and I'm just going to keep coaching in person because that's the only thing I'm comfortable with. Right. Exactly. Exactly. You know, and I, I like, I look back to that part. I think about them sometimes and I'm like, I wonder wonder where they are <laughs> yeah and yeah. yeah. I, mean, I mean i mean we we've all been home for 16 months now you know so i i i, I hope they pivoted i hope they eventually said all right fine yeah. i'll try this zoom coaching thing right i am curious this is i'm now pivoting this conversation slightly we're was your team making this about you marie and your team for a minute was your team uh, were you running it virtually prior to the pandemic or were you mostly yeah yeah so so um my first hire was my partner um so i i was all of a sudden working 12 hours 13 hours a day and couldn't do everything and she was there and in a situation <laughs> you know, like i was like please help me five ten hours a week please 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 and she did yeah. and you know over time she was in a work situation that she didn't really like and I really needed the help. And so she just started doing more and more and more with me. And as a result, you know, that was, that was very uncomfortable because I'm used to doing everything myself. Right. Um, so I got to make every leadership mistake in the book on my fiance. Right. My, my, my very understanding, <laughs> you know, so, yeah. so I, I really learned with her and then slowly the team grew and, you know, people were like, it's, what if you guys were, you know, we weren't, we weren't engaged at the time and we didn't quite know where the relationship was going. We yeah. were living together, but we weren't quite as, you know, long into the relationship people were like, what, what if something happens? What, what if you, you know, and so I started hiring like backup basically. And it was, it was always like a friend of a friend or, you know, somebody we knew who needed work or something like that. Um, and so it was, yes, it was virtual, but it was also sometimes in person because we were having fun and like, cause we knew each other. And so like we'd meet up once a week, but what I didn't anticipate is that like we had in-person communications, right? So we weren't hundred percent virtual. We thought we were, but we weren't. And then we got onto virtual and we were like, oh, this sucks, right? This is hard. This is yeah. really hard because I can't even say, oh, I'll just show you on Monday when we meet up for coffee. Yeah. And, and then you can look over my shoulder and watch me do something. Yeah. So. I, and I appreciate you sharing that because I think it is really, um, I think a lot of 
people who thought they were virtual big and small companies by the way this is not a big or small company thing recognize that they were actually less virtual than they thought they were mm -hmm. when they actually were, when they were forced to go 100% virtual and they struggled to take those in-person touch points that are so valuable for specific reasons and translate them into a virtual environment yeah and that is, that was a really um unique challenge that i think people were not expecting at the start of this 100 i mean i i went through it where i had to be okay with people saying to me i have no idea what you just asked me to do you know like literally like all right can you please now explain that because i have i'm not a mind reader right yeah. <laughs> and yeah. it's, it's humbling because because we we do that we think we think we explain something and we didn't because we were in our heads right mm -hmm. so um learning how to do that is especially especially when everybody's newly at home you know everybody's scared you know all, all of that stuff right that was that was a special challenge yeah so if you had to if you look back at i'm putting you on the leadership hot seat here for a second if you look back at the how you led through the 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 changes that were happening from actually having to go remote and and recognize that maybe the way you were communicating in person didn't translate to remote the same way which it doesn't for any of us mm -hmm. uh, and it's always a fun recognition to be like oh wow that was not what i thought it was going to be um but if you look back at sort of whatever that looked like and it doesn't have to be only those things beyond that as well what would you say are the few a couple of the really key sort of takeaways that you have as a leader at the end of this crisis let's call it not that we're at the end but you know what i mean yeah um well the first thing is you know be okay with hearing the feedback that you think you explained something and you didn't <laughs> because that's that's very humbling feedback it's also very hard to hear Mm -hmm. It's very easy, especially people who are used to top-down leadership, to get really angry when somebody asks you to repeat yourself, right? Or like whatever it is, right? So you you want to make sure that you're okay with hearing that you need to explain things a different way. Um, you also need to be okay with people coming to you and, and telling you they're having a problem because they're going to have like this, this year they did have problems, right? They're going to continue to have problems. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's, that's another thing. And like, even, even me who, who, you know, leads freelancers, right? Like I, I, I heard some of the, I, I had to hear real, real problems, right? Real problems that kept people from doing the work that helped us, you know, then we had to pivot, right. Um, that kind of thing that's important too. So those, that, those would be the biggest takeaways is just like, keep your ears open and be okay with people coming back yeah. and saying like, Hey, I, I explained this to me again. I need it. Or, you know, um, I can't work today because. So I love that. I think we are, are we often tell leaders, uh, historically and I'm going to remove myself from the, we, because I talk, <laughs> I really am like, we need to stop saying this we often tell leaders that you only want you want to encourage people to come with solutions not problems which there is a time and place for that and i appreciate it's not to say that that doesn't matter but when we're telling leaders that people are only to come with solutions not problems and they're creating a culture and environment where people are only coming with solutions and not problems 
then that means that people don't feel safe to actually talk about problems that they don't have yep. solutions for. And yep. they're not always going to have solutions. So what you're just saying really um, emphasizes to me the importance of creating an environment where if there's a solution, come with a solution, but it doesn't mean don't come with a problem that they're safe to do both. It's not one yep. or the other. Right, exactly. And I, I'll just say this, the worst, the worst boss that I ever had, who now, who, who now I realized was way in over their head, right? You know, I was, I was 25, they weren't much older. And they used to say things like that. They would say, you know, don't, it don't come to me with a problem unless you have three solutions. Or um, my other favorite was if I would say, oh, I'm having a problem. No, 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 you're having a challenge. It's like, no, I'm actually having a problem. I can't do this work. Yeah. Right? <laughs> you know, don't, don't police my, my language um, yeah. before I even get to the real thing. Right. So um, I, and, and the truth, the truth is that business closed, mm -hmm. right. The, the business is no longer here. And, um, I, I, and I think about those, those practical applications all the time. Cause I'm like, oh, right. I didn't feel safe. Yeah. You know, I was making mistakes all the time because I couldn't tell my boss and have them, you know, treat me like a human being. Yeah. Right. I, I was, I was worried about getting yelled at because I didn't come, come with solutions. Yeah. Right. Or, or say a problem instead of, of challenge. Yeah. A hundred percent. Um, and I think that I appreciate you sharing that story because it's really important to remember that like we have to create a space for people where they are safe and they can say those things and they, it's not just about the language police because that doesn't ultimately serve you or the other people. Exactly. Exactly. Um, I adore you. Before we wrap up, I'm going to ask this question. Is there anything that we didn't get to that you want to make sure you have a chance to say while we're here or that you want to emphasize about what we spoke about for people? I think I just want to emphasize that we're not, you know, we're not, we're not out of the woods yet. And everything that we, ever, everything that we've gone through, right? Like if you haven't pivoted, it's not too late. If you haven't been hearing your team, it's still not too late, you know, like we're still, we're still in COVID. We're still in the middle of the crisis. So we might as well, like, you know, use the opportunity to, to change now. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I think that's a perfect place to, to wrap mm -hmm. this up. Um, where can people find you online? Uh, well, my website is Marie and Contrera. <laughs> well, you can Google me. I'm highly Googleable. I'm the only Marie and Contrera that exists. Um, uh, it's the benefit of having, uh, an interesting last name or a unique last name, um, in contrary.com or find me on, you know, uh, LinkedIn, all the socials at Marine Contrera. And we will have all of that linked up as well in the show notes. So, um, awesome. I really appreciate you. I appreciate you taking the time to chat with me and for being here. Um, you are lovely and your insight is super important and super relevant. So thank you for sharing it with us. Thank you for having me. This was great. Always my pleasure. Thanks for joining me today on the Leading Through Crisis podcast. If you enjoyed this conversation, please take a minute to rate and review us on your podcast app. If you're interested in learning more about any of our guests, you can find us online at www.leadingthroughcrisis.ca.